Our faith takes dips, and we can beat ourselves up, and sometimes we feel strong in God, and we can quickly get maybe a little bit full of ourselves. Um, life is interesting because it, it, it isn't always predictable, as you and I are well aware of that. There's all kinds of surprises, there's all kinds of uh, disappointments in life, but there's, you know, between a lot of those, there are moments when, you know, life really doesn't get a whole lot better. Uh, but when we think in terms of our faith, uh, some of us, uh, we might need a boost today. Uh, sometimes when we think of faith, uh, some of us might need to, to relook at how we have faith, or what we define it, or what we call it. Um, some of us, uh, we sometimes need to be more realistic. We get ideas and expectations for ourselves. We have expectations maybe on God. We have expectations of the way things ought to be going. Uh, and we, we sometimes need to be more realistic. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, because what we're trying to look at is not only the aspect of faith, but the concept that the faith has a discipline. It has a focus that we got to keep working at, keep developing, and keep uh, growing as we think in terms of faith. Uh, last week we touched upon uh, the concept of, of God's grace. And a lot of times we don't think of grace and the discipline of, associated with that. We believe that somehow we are mysteriously saved by God's grace, but we don't understand how to process that faith or develop that faith or allow that faith to grow in terms of the grace of God. Matthew chapter 14, I'll read this uh, particular portion of Scripture, starting with verse 22, and we'll read down through 36. Matthew chapter 14, we'll start with 22, and read down through 36. Now immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, and go on ahead of him to the other side, that is of the lake, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got up out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. 
Father, we are humbled by the, the reality that you are always so much more powerful than we could ever imagine. And the times that we even know these things, sometimes our faith doesn't seem to grow much after all. We pray that we would recognize not only the beauty of this story preserved for us, but the potential of this truce could in fact affect us even today. We give ourselves to you and we pray that in the discipline of our faith that we might grow, not simply to think that we can do so much more, but certainly we don't have to remain being the same people we were yesterday. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd love to tell you how to walk on water this morning. And sometimes when we think about this particular story, the focus seems to be at least how not to sink once you've taken the fullest step of trying to follow Jesus on the water. No doubt when I say about how to walk on water, some of you might uh, think, uh, eh, Pastor, he's on one of his crazy ideas this morning, and obviously nobody walks on water, but maybe he's referring to some kind of illustration or analogy or one form or another, but I, I really honestly mean walking on real water. This morning I, I actually walked on water. Um, hopefully there's no kids here. Uh, our kiddie pool was frozen. I walked upon water. Uh, but, you know, the good news is I, I also sank, and that is I, I actually got in the bathtub this morning and I, I didn't walk on that particular water. Uh, many of us, we think about things right away, it creates some kind of a immediate thought process is already turning. So we think of faith, we probably are thinking about how at least I can look good and be successful and somehow give an appearance of having my life all together. But as you and I look at this story, we realize that this is a story of enormous faith with a huge failure right in the middle of it. But when you and I think about faith as a discipline, as a new way of attempting to live and a new way of attempting to grow, you and I need to take into account that if success happens to be our driving concern and passion, then we probably have missed a lot of what faith is really all about. I probably should uh, consider as we think about talking about faith that we begin understanding many things that truly affect the development or the growth of our faith. Last week, as I mentioned about the discipline of grace, we realized that you and I must learn how to take the gift of God without feeling like we earned it, without feeling like we deserved it, without feeling like we controlled it, without feeling like we manipulated it somehow. Grace is grace. As long as you and I realize it didn't have anything to do with you. It's simply God's way of giving us what he wants to give us for only one reason. He loves us in spite of who we are. He loves us in spite of anything we've done. It's difficult many times to receive pure grace, and so it becomes a discipline. Some of us feel like we have been uh, uh, rather successful. Maybe last week we were faithful to God, we were diligent in growing and learning, and so somehow within that we might feel like, well, grace, I like the idea because it feels good, it makes me look good, and everything else. But some of us may be here feeling as if last week was absolutely awful. 
Our faith was down in the hole. Our concept of God's goodness was out the window. And so we don't feel qualified to simply let grace be the primary foundational stone of our life. Well, last week we concluded with the beautiful celebration of communion. There's no better way to realize it's not about you, it's not about me, it's all about him. It's what Jesus Christ has done that becomes a discipline, keeping our focus that you and I are not the centerpiece of our own lives. It's Jesus Christ and what he desires and attempts to do within us without the beauty of that unconditional, undeserved, unearned favor of grace, you and I, at best, are simply going to be still beggars thinking it was up to us to figure out how to get somebody to give us something. Matthew chapter 14 and 26 and 27. Let's go back and read again verses 26 and 27 as we begin to process What it means to have a faith that is disciplined. When the disciples saw him, that is Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. One of the first lessons in in walking on water is to address our fears. We think in terms of our fears that uh, we realize that fears quite often are the thing that works in us when our faith no longer controls what is known and unknown. As you and I think about life, we realize it's, it's what's not known that seems to scare us. The things that somehow we imagine in our mind, they tend to create fear. When our minds feel like we cannot control our circumstances, Fear begins to do its most uh, destructive work. When we think about faith, we need to somehow allow our fears to be set aside, even though it's unknown, and take the advice of Jesus. It's me. He's there. Though he might look like a ghost, he may create some type of added fear because we don't identify who he really is or what he's up to, somehow faith begins to latch on to the fact that though I do not know, though I cannot control, though I cannot perceive, faith is developed. Faith is exercised. Faith begins to focus not so much on the images in our minds or the impulsive thoughts in our head or the distorted perceptions that somehow have been created over life, those untested ideas, we need to realize faith is what keeps its focus on Jesus. That takes time to learn. It takes years to learn. It takes a lot of disappointments and challenges and setbacks to begin to recognize how to develop trust and how it is tested and tried and proven over and over and over again. Our faith is in the person who is already walking on the water. The only way you and I are going to venture out into areas that we are not familiar with or to do things that we have not done before or to take risks is you and I must honestly, squarely look at fear and call it fear. You know, we're sometimes as Christians, we're not allowed to be afraid. We we tell ourselves we're not allowed to have a, a lack of faith today. 
we tell ourselves that somehow it's bad or shame on us for not having this great confidence. It begins by acknowledging, yeah, I'm scared. I don't know about you, but if you saw somebody walking on the water, I hope it scares you. I hope it brings us back to a a, a reality check of thinking that this is not what we perceive as normal, but faith believes he's done this thing before. He's walked on water. He has the capacity to somehow be greater than my fears. It's a process of learning how to develop a faith in what is not familiar. It's a faith in what Jesus has done. The truth is we know he walked on the water. And therefore, our faith is anchored on what he can do and the possibilities of his life. Uh, I want to look at an example to to attempt to clarify this a little bit. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Luke 8, I want to begin looking at a, a short story that begins in verse 40, and it's kind of lengthy down through 56. But we need to recognize something about faith because sometimes in the concept of faith, we are more concerned about it working, succeeding, accomplishing what we want. And faith is the ability to trust without controlling the idea of what's supposed to happen. Somehow a faith is in that person of Christ that does not come with a list of expectations but simply banks upon previous experience. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 26, or I'm sorry, verse 40, and we'll read down through 56. We have what is, what is here is a, a double miracle. That is that God is, or Jesus is accomplishing two great things at one time. Beginning verse 40, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. They were all expecting him. Get that. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him. She touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding was stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that, that, that she could not go unnoticed, she came trembling and she fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Notice verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. He said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead. 
but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up, and Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Faith is not so much the ability to heal yourself. Faith is the ability to trust that Jesus is trustworthy. And that's important to know. The truth reminds itself that he has healed in the past. The truth reminds itself that if I touch the hem of his garment, that guarantees to heal us. If somehow that you and I are able to trust and believe that whether Jesus speaks the word or touches the person, the same power is able to heal. Many times that we lose sight in the process of faith is because we sort of have an expectation going on. We sort of have an idea of the way it's supposed to work, and we sometimes give God a little bit of advice. We tell Him that this is the way He could and this is the way He should, more so than realizing He's the one that scares us to death when He walks on the water. And at the same time, when He speaks, then our fears begin to subside. Maybe you're overwhelmed with fears because you and I can't process it. We can't figure it out. We can't understand what is happening and where it's going. Faith is a learning discipline. I'm going to trust because the reputation of Jesus is when he chooses to bless me and surprise me, and even if things really go bad, he can even raise up somebody that's dead. It's hard to imagine the thoughts that can work through our minds when fear is the controlling element in life. It's important to know that when fear is at its height, our faith is, for the most part, at its low point. We learn, we discipline. I choose to trust. I choose to push out those thoughts that come bouncing through my head and they begin to work down to my heart. I choose to trust. God is faithful. It's not easy. It's a difficult thing. And no doubt when Peter looked at the water and he looked out there, no doubt that there were still some racing thoughts as they begin to work in and out of our minds. A second thing we want to look at pertaining to the fact that fear is, many times is we tend to not get out of the boat because our fears are still telling us somehow this isn't going to work so well. Or somehow, I shouldn't be doing certain things. Or somehow, the, 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 I, I need to know I'm going to be successful before I venture out. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 14 and look at uh, verse 28 now. Lord, Peter replied, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Faith is, is, is risky. <laughs> we might uh, have a lot of fears in life because we, we tend to not live in a, a kind of an optimistic world, but faith isn't really optimism. Faith is responding to the suggestions that Jesus gives you through His Spirit. Faith is not your moment to do something to impress God, Faith is a lot to do with simply being faithful with what God is doing in your life and following Him in accordance to the plan and purpose 
that he has for you. And that will look different for each and every one of us, but it's important to know you can't walk on water if you stay in the boat. When we think about some of the simple concepts, they they tend to sound so easy and so simple. And that is why faith is a discipline. It's a challenge of learning to let our focus be upon the one that might scare us to death. And if you're honest about following Jesus the way he teaches, it ought to scare us to death. You think that he wants to take us through this world and change us from who we were to who he wants us to be and then empower us to make an impact upon this world when we don't feel as if we have a whole lot to offer. It's scary, it's risky to follow this Jesus guy. But sometimes we get desperate because of our circumstances, our various needs, whatever they might be, and we feel or understand, I'd be a fool to run from the only one that can do anything about my circumstance. So faith is kind of a risky thing. And Peter just kind of opens his mouth, as Peter often does, He said, if it's you, then command me to or tell me to come out of the boat. Faith must look beyond the possibilities of failure. We might think faith is an easy thing to get out of the boat till you try it. (laughs) We might think faith is easy until those voices start talking again, saying, who do you think you are? I mean, I'll admit this morning when I stepped on the pool, I was a little bit uneasy because I'm not quite sure how frozen frozen is, and I'm not really sure. But most importantly, I have to admit, I was hoping my wife was not looking out the window. Okay? The bottom line is a lot of times faith and what creates the fears is we're looking more to the left and the right. We're more wondering what the rest of the disciples are going to think because if I think sink out there, it's not only going to be the fact that I might get a little wet. Now, I played it safe. The pool's, you know, it's only so deep. But the concept of being caught and failing, that is really humiliating. Most of us are well aware that faith is a growing experience. And the hardest thing isn't stepping out of the boat. The hardest thing is to quit worrying what everybody else thinks. It's important to understand That you and I can have success so much as a priority, that's one thing. But it's also a terrible thing to wonder how we appear. Most of us are well aware that we always want to typically look good. We want to always sound good. We always want to to appear to have it all together. We, We only want to get out of the boat. We're not sure whether we're really trying to impress Jesus or simply be faithful to Jesus. It's a complicated thing in life to develop the exercise of faith and work through the motives, the agendas, the ideas, the screaming voices. The important thing is, the punchline to the story, as long as Peter had his eye on Jesus, he was just fine. The reality is, the way we have to understand the beauty of doing things we haven't done before, is we've got to realize what that really means, is you can't have your eye on anybody else while you got your eye on Jesus. And I know as well as anybody else what it's like to try to look good, to try to impress, to try to come across as if we got it together. You didn't think your pastor has those issues. Most of us believe that faith somehow is always connected with success because we somehow come with these preconceived ideas that if it's real faith, it always works. It always accomplishes, always attains, always is a victory note. It's important to know whether you walk on water or sink, 
Jesus is going to love you the same. It's important to know whether you succeed in every attempt you make or you fall flat on your face, Jesus isn't going to give you more points at the finish line. You and I need to realize faith is to be developed, it's to grow, it's to become exercised, it's to be utilized. We must learn, most importantly, how to distinguish between this need to do something big or this opportunity to just let Jesus be big one more time. And it's tough, but that is developed, it's exercised, it grows. It simply doesn't just drop in your lap. You and I need to get over the fact that if we sink, it's all right. And it's even all right if my wife laughs at me. Verse 29. She doesn't laugh at me much. Jesus says, come. Then Peter, he got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. We think in terms of this faith thing. We realize that uh, at some point you're going to sense the nudge or the opportunity, the invitation to step out of the boat, to be used of God in ways you haven't been used before, or to be used as a parent in ways you've never been used before. Faith comes as the suggestion of God. It's not so much that you and I created this need to somehow go out there and walk on water. I mean, some of us might have those crazy thoughts like me once in a while. But you and I need to realize there's times that that invitation will become so personal to you, there's a bold, courageous moment that comes thought in your head that you and I need to realize success is not what this is about. It's simply following the leading, the prompting of God. There's a good chance, if you've ever succeeded, there's a good chance you failed probably five times before that. You and I in the development of faith, it's not a smooth, easy process. There are moments when you surprise yourself. There's moments when you accomplish things you know you could not have accomplished on your own. But there's also the times that you're going to swim a little bit. And it's actually good for your face. We can somehow find ourselves resisting because we somehow allow so much of our thoughts to overanalyze that concept of resisting or, or withholding or playing it safe. Well, I mean, there's a way to play life safe and there's a way to consider that concept of risk. Uh, some of us, it might be as a simple thing as simply speaking up and sharing your face. We know it's kind of a scary thing. It can be intimidating. But in some sense, we need to, first of all, distinguish whether it's being humble or being unfaithful. There's times that our faith somewhat stays safe because we don't want to, to appear as if we're too confident in God or too bold for God or those kind of things. So we, we constantly live in the dimensions of extremes. Faith must be developed. The hardest things about faith has to do with our motives, our attitudes, and our real agenda. It's not really so much whether we're going to walk on water this afternoon or not. You and I know that is impossible. But according to God's word, nothing is impossible. That doesn't mean we try to be foolish. We just try to understand what faithfulness really entails and choose to take risks so that God might affirm and accomplish his purposes and his great work. Faith is the discipline 
of keeping our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. It's really Jesus who is shaping your life through your failures and your successes, through your high points and low points. It's Jesus who's doing something in your heart and your life, and that's that element of truly trusting and relying on Him. Fears, they may are maybe controlled by looking at the wind and the waves. We look at the opposition. We look about all the what-ifs, how this thing may not work. It may not uh, unfold the way we want. Fears are also applied to us um, when we begin to walk in faith, that somehow faith will take you beyond the opinion of what someone might say. It takes us beyond what they actually will say. It takes us beyond what people might think and it takes us beyond what people definitely think. The beautiful uh, illustration I want to look at when we think about uh, uh, faith is, is two-sided. On the one extreme, turn with me to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. God is uh, attempting to uh, involve Himself in our lives at a very personal level. But His purpose of involving ourselves in our lives at a very personal level is because He has a personal mission for us. God wants to work in us. He wants to work through us. And you and I need what seemingly is a confidence in Him. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, 5, and 6. Now such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let me simply just try to summarize it, that the concept of what is being said is God wants not us to look good, but He will let us look good for the sake of His good name. God wants to use us in ways that our confidence is not in what we did. We simply were risking enough, foolish enough, to step out of the boat and let God be glorified. It's challenging. There's a lot of things about how you can help people that are going to stretch your comfort zone. They're going to take you beyond what you know you're capable of doing or how you're able to influence and impact. It's faith that latches on and says, my confidence is God. Again, we might tell ourselves that that sounds a little bit arrogant. That might sound a little bit filled with pride. It might cause us to look like Peter. He stepped out. Some would say he was full of himself. Some would say all kinds of things. I'm sure the disciples got a good laugh about it, especially when he went down. They weren't probably rooting for him. They were probably jealous. All those things that the the mind is capable of, of listening to, those thoughts that come racing through, face, it's messy. It doesn't always make sense. But it does take risks of believing that I must realize that I might look extremely good and it's all okay. How about the flip side? 1 Corinthians. Let's go down to uh, 1 Corinthians, one book back. And we want to look at chapter 1 because it's always important to know that it's just as good once in a while to walk on water as it is once in a while to do a little bit of swimming. 
It's not really good that you and I always have success. It's not really good for us that you and I come across or have it all together. It's not good for us. It's important to know that the beauty of this faith lesson of walking on water is he walked, but he also sank. The way you and I grow is you and I need both experiences in the mix of the ingredients. Because though we may be a little overly confident at various times in life, or it could become that way, it's important that you and I learn how to hold our head up when we look really, really stupid. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, notice in verse 26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Now some of us might say, boy, the whole reason I was called is because Jesus looked around and he couldn't find anybody better than me. Not many of you were wives by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble births. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not and to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. As we think in terms of what is being communicated in these scriptures, is looking like a fool is just part of growing up in faith. No matter how effective we are, no matter how good we are, no matter how great we are, you and I at best need to remember, we didn't come from the greatest stock. We'd like to believe that we really had it all together, that we really uh, were, were like the far family. The wise men came from afar. And, and you and I need to realize that you and I have to have a sinking moment in life because it only magnifies the potential of the next time that we actually allow God to use us in powerful ways. The important thing about faith, the moment you and I think we understand it and we've got it, you probably need to do for another lesson down in the water. The beauty is God is not done with us because we feel like there's moments that we're done with him. Because of his grace, the one who called you is going to finish his work. You and I need to become accustomed to the fact that it's grace that secures us. And it's his love that won't let us go. But it's his face that has also been placed in our heart to be developed, to be exercised, to look stupid, and to look good. The important thing is, can we learn to allow all those voices to be shoved out and say, I need to get my focus on him. He's the one that does not change. Our circumstances change. The winds rise. The waves come. It will test us. It will sift us. As a song we sang, a mighty fortress is our God. Our victory is not that you figured it out. Our victory quite often is we've dropped to our knees and said, God, you win. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, as we journey on to understand that we need to take some risks for you. We need to exercise our faith. We need to step out of the boat. We need to advance. But help us, Lord, when we're thinking too much about ourselves, we'll either be filled with fear or we'll end up being full of ourselves. We pray, God, that our faith would be latched on you, Lord Jesus. 
And as you develop it, you'll change us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.